The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. I walked into Office Depot or Office Max uh, a couple days ago, and I said, please give me the biggest whiteboard you can find. And they brought out a whiteboard, not this whiteboard. This is not the biggest whiteboard. Uh, They brought out a whiteboard that was four feet tall, by six feet wide, and I, I looked and I said, is that the box? And they said, yes, that's, that's the box, sir. And I said, that's way too big. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I was like, that, that's, I'm, I said, I'm coming back for that someday, but today is not today. We'll get to this later. It has something to do with your cards. But we are in our last week of our Multiply series. We've been skipping through the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is about what God is doing in his world. It's about what God is doing in his world. Some people might say, oh, well, I think it's really about what the early church is doing. But what they're doing is powered, it's driven by what God is doing. And in the early church and in the book of Acts, we see a couple of things. We see three things. God multiplies things. He multiplies followers. He multiplies followers of Jesus or disciples. He multiplies leaders. It's fun to kind of page through the book of Acts and look and be like, well, I've never seen that name before, or these two just kind of showed up, or, oh, in this city, that's where this church started to flourish. And there's leaders in each one of those places, people of influence. And he also, God also multiplies churches. I'm a very visual guy. Uh, hence the big whiteboard. But when I look through the Bible, and when I read the Bible, uh, I have one of the Bibles with the maps in the back or the front, and I've got to see, okay, where did this actually happen? What does that look like geographically in their day, and what does that look like in our day? Oh, that's in Syria, or oh, that's in Turkey, or Greece, or Rome. I've got to see it, because seeing it helps me hang on where the... uh, The events actually happened. And you can see God multiplying churches throughout the book of Acts. We borrowed this, the Acts Church Network, and these are our strategies. These are the things we want to do. We've been talking about kind of where we want to go as a a church of Acts Church Leander, but this also rings true for Acts Lakeway, obviously Acts Leander, Acts Church Antioch, And it will ring true in September for the church I'm starting, Acts Church Northwest. We want to multiply followers of Jesus. We want to multiply leaders. And leaders are just people of influence. So some of your kids are leaders because they go into their classrooms and they have influence. High schoolers are leaders. College students are leaders. Young adults are leaders. Singles and couples and and families and big families and empty nesters and grandparents have influence on someone else's lives. We want to multiply leaders. But we also want to multiply churches. And you guys have heard about that. So, in the book of Acts, one of the main characters is obviously God, but he works through different people. And about two-thirds of the book of Acts kind of follows one guy's journey. One guy's multiple journey. And his name is Paul. His name is Paul. When I hopped in this series, uh, 
A couple weeks ago, I talked about how my heart was for us to have a lens of loved and sent, that we're loved by Jesus, he changes our life, and then he sends us out so that more can be loved by Jesus, have their lives changed, and be sent out even further. Paul goes through that transformation. He's walking down the road, and boom, it's not a love like a big hug. It's kind of a tough love. Paul, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, uh, it's me, Lord. He, he kind of knows, oh, shoot, here we go. I'm in it now. And through this tough love, he's like, I want you to go to this house, and I want you to do these things. And you're like, well, that doesn't sound like love. But we, we know that through his other writings, Paul knows, he's like, I'm, I'm probably the biggest sinner in the room. But God did this for me. He forgave me. He, he sent me out. And that's why I'm sharing it with you. That's kind of Paul's message. He's loved by a God that loves him more than he knows. And he's sent out. And that's what he's doing here. That's what he's doing in this story. He goes from the lead persecutor holding the coats for Stephen. That was in chapter 6, way back like a handful of weeks ago. And now he's the lead proclaimer. And he makes it to Rome because he's got arrested. He got arrested for proclaiming the news of Jesus. So lead persecutor to lead proclaimer. Sometimes, uh, I mean, let's, let's be honest here. It's easy for us when we think of sending and being sent to, to elevate certain people. It's easy for us to elevate the the missionaries or the people that, when they're sent, it's like, oh, you go over here and you tell people over here. And there's room for that. We have missionaries. I was sent here to come be with you guys and then tell more people. We have a good friend at Lakeway, Axe Church Lakeway. Her name's Carolyn Bowden. She is a go-and-tell type person. She's getting sent out. She's moving to Belize so that she can create environments for people to know about Jesus. And that gets a lot of praise. It gets a lot of hype. We put a lot of effort towards go and tell missions. And Paul does that, like all throughout the book of Acts. He's a go and tell missionary. He goes here, and then it's like, he goes here, and he sets up a church here and here. And you can follow the map, and you're like, this dude was busy. In two years, he planted like all these churches. But in this story, in Acts 28, the end of the book of Acts, we see him as a different type of missionary. He's a come-and-see type of missionary. He's been a come-and-see missionary before, and it's usually when he gets kind of locked up or circumstances don't allow him to be free, but it's, it says something about him. It doesn't matter if he's sent over there or sent in a jail cell or a house on house arrest. The, the main point is that he's sent wherever he goes. So, we're going to look at a little bit of his story, then we'll get to the whiteboard. The first three verses are this. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they'd gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, free, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. 
But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and to speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. He's wearing a chain, and the chain is because he wanted to share the good news of Jesus. And he had this pattern. He would go into a new city. He'd, he'd go into a synagogue, preach the good news, first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles, and then he'd move along to the next city when it was the right time. And it's not different here. He goes to Rome, and he's like, well, I can't really go to where everyone's meeting because I'm in house arrest, but I want to get the word out, and I want to meet with you guys to tell you what my story is. He's sent right where he's at. Uh, I I wrote this little paragraph, and I think it's kind of helpful for us. Uh, It's, sentness isn't about a different geography. Sentness is about your present geography. It's not always about go and tell. Sometimes, for a lot of us, for the majority of us, it's about come and see what God is doing. It's about the geography where you're at right now. If you, everyone do this, uh, look at your feet... And if your feet are attached, um, that's where you're sent. You're sent exactly where your feet are. And if for some reason you lose your feet, uh, it's, it's where your guts are. It's where your shoulders are. It's where, it's where you are as a person. And so what that means is um, you're all sitting in this room right now. Some of us are coming later at 11. Some of us might be at home. But, but you are sent right where you are at. There might be someone in uh, our assembly, our congregation, that needs you this week or in the next month, and you might be sent to them. It's not just for the outside world. We're sent to, to, to love each other. We're sent to love each other. But there's this phenomena that we have here in our city. And all of your little feet, when you go out and you go home and you prep for the Super Bowl party and when you have people in, uh, you need to know that, that there are people around you. God brought 140 people here in Austin in our area today that weren't here yesterday. And tomorrow there's going to be another about 140 people that are here. And then Tuesday, another 140 people because God's bringing people right here into our area. That's why we talk about multiply followers, leaders, and churches. Because you're sent right here, and God's like, hey, you know, ex-church slander, I'm going I'm to bring them right here to you. And it's exactly what Paul did. He's like, God's going to bring some people to me, and I'm going to share with them what he has going on. And that looks like verses 22 to 24, and you'll see it up here. I highlighted the wrong thing, so I'm all confused. But we desire to hear from you, these are the the Jewish leaders talking to Paul, what your views are. For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying 
to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. Paul expounded from the morning and until the evening, and so just buckle up, that's what we're doing. Uh, that would be painful for you and me, and Gabe would be like, never do that again. You can just leave now because no one else is coming back. Uh, so we're not going to do that. But Paul was ready. He knew the story. And he was ready with the story that fit those people. If he was talking to Jewish leaders, he was going to go through the whole entire story saying, hey, this points to Jesus. That prophet points to Jesus. This story, that's, that's pointing to Jesus. And so in a small way, in about five to ten minutes, that's what we're going to do. My small group has done this a couple times. I think we've done it with the elders or the management team. But if you would please pick up your card, we're going to see. If you have a pen, get that out. Or if you don't, we've got people that can bring a pen to you if you want to throw a hand up. But we're going to expound on... The story of God from start, Genesis 1, to finish, and you're going to have it on a note card. So that if someone's questioning, or just for you, maybe we're doing this in a visual way. So if you need to be able to see that in a visual way. Does anyone need a pen? Throw a hand up. If you don't have a pen, you can always take a picture of it and... uh, I had people tell me, they're like, oh, I said, hey, put this in your Bible so you can kind of see where the stories are at in the Bible. And they said, Barrett, my Bible's online. And I'm like, well, take a picture of it then. I don't care. Just get it in there. Uh, So if you want to follow along with me and draw with me, that would really suit my visual needs. We're doing a timeline from the beginning of time to the end of time. And at the beginning of time, what we hear from, from God is, we'll put Genesis over here, and Revelation over here. In the, the beginning of time, it said that God created. That from something that we, we weren't there to hear or see, but, but he spoke the earth into being. So we have creation here at the top. And if you need to know uh, what that means, it means that God makes. Very simply, God's in the making business. Timeline. God makes. And things were good. Or very good, depending on the day. And things were good. Right? Right? Okay, so then we don't get too far into the story, and there's an issue. You can draw a squiggly line. Sin enters the equation. Sin enters the equation. Adam and Eve eat the fruit. They try to gain knowledge to be like God. And that's, he's like, just don't do this one thing. And they're like, well, we're going to do this one thing. Sin enters the equation, and we are set on a trajectory where we have sin, original sin, inside of us. 
And there's a need. We have a need. We have, there's a need for a Savior. God sent, as Paul talked about, he sent Moses to deliver his people from slavery in Egypt. He gave them judges, which were guides for them to, hey, navigate as a community together. Judges and priests. And they're like, hey, we want to be like the other, the other countries and the other nations. And he's like, fine, I'll give you a king. And then when the kings turned bad, because they were sinful, like we are, he said, well, I'm going to send you prophets to go along with the kings. And eventually, it didn't work out. And God's like, okay, I've been sending you people because you asked for it, and now I'm going to send my son. And so right smack dab in the middle, I'll call it the most important part of the story, we have a manger, a cross, and a crown. I draw them in stick figures. You guys can draw them however you need. Can you guys see that in the back? Ish. That's my manger. That's my cross. That's my crown. There's a manger, a cross, and a crown because we needed someone to come into our world, to come down towards us, to remind us, to tell us that we're loved. And what God's doing in this moment, oh, also, sorry, I have to back up. I've done this before, but we'll do this. I've got to back up sometimes. When sin entered the world, the world wasn't good anymore. It didn't go completely bad, but it wasn't completely good. So we're going to call that nah, not so good. Because things are pretty good, but they're not perfect. and They're not like they were in the garden. So when God sent Jesus, his role was to uh, be our redeemer. To buy us back. There was this gap between us and the Father. Jesus came down, died on the cross, rose. He came down in a manger. He died on a cross for your sins. And then on the third day, he rose again, defeated death. And we say that that is like him being a king because he is in charge of the universe. We call that... Redemption. God buys back. God buys back. I'm going to come over here. So if you want to think about this chronologically in your Bible, this is about like the Gospels right here. And where we've been hanging out is right here in the book of Acts for the past six weeks. And we, we know, because God tells us, that there will be a last day where he will come back and, and judge the world. And for those who are connected to Jesus, he'll say, you're going here. And for those not, he's like, you're going there. So we live right now, you and I, from, from Acts, from Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit ignited the church and sent us on mission, until that last day, we live in this period right here between when he declared himself as king and the end. And during that process, God is, 
God is in a process of changing us, of renewing us, of, of sanctifying us and making us holy. And so up here we have can I spell it? Sanctification. And if you don't want the big theological word, think of transformers. Because when the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, he transforms you and makes you holy. Sanctification. God transforms. On that last day, he will come back. And when the new heavens and the new earth come together, things will be in a similar way to what he said here. We'll be in a right relationship with God. And things will be good again. And so you can draw that line right there. This is the story of God, his people, uh, the Bible, the church, the Old Testament, the New Testament. This is what God is up to in our world. And it fits on a three by five note card. Paul, this is what Paul did. When he was in when he was in Rome, he expounded from day to night. What took us about 10 minutes, he, he explained everything in the Old Testament from the law, the prophets, and it all pointed to Jesus. That's where he was at in his day, when people came to him for us. As the church on this side, everything points from that moment. And it points back to Jesus. This is the centerpiece. I didn't wear a bow tie today. I joked with Zach about that earlier, but I thought about it. And this is like the cosmic all-time bow tie. The Old Testament points to Jesus. The New Testament flows from Jesus, and it points back. And so if, if you are wondering where you're at on the timeline, you can plop yourself in somewhere around here. If, somebody, if you have to expound on the Old Testament and the New Testament, here it is. We have a creator who redeems us, and he sanctifies us. He made things good, and we messed it up, and, and things were not so good, but he's going to make it good again, and I get to live with him forever. For you as a church and for you as Christians who are, are not going the go-and-tell route with your sentness, but you're right here, and your sentness looks like, come and see. Come and see what God has done for me. This is what you need to know. So many of you know this. You don't have to go to seminary to be able to do this. We teach, I used to teach confirmation kids this, and I'm like, if you want the story, here's the story. A three-by-five card. That's what you need to know. So Paul did this. He expounded on uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. They point back. And what I want you to see in all of this is, we can engage multiple learning styles, visual and auditory alike. This helps me so much, but it's simple. 
you boil it all down to, to a small view, and it's simple, what God's up to in his world. Let's see how Paul did this come-and-see missionary-type work. Verse 23 says, When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. From morning till evening he expounded them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Then in verse 30, coming down, he does it again. He's upset because in between that moment, um, the Jewish leaders, some of them believed and some of them didn't. Some of their hearts were hardened. In your relationships, some of the people that you really want to follow Jesus, some of their hearts are hardened. And so we pray, God, make a way, break through in their life. And we keep praying. But as we keep praying, we see what happened uh, with his mission with the Gentiles. Verse 30 says, he lived there two whole years at his own expense because he was on house arrest, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. The Christian church, uh, the Christian faith, has um, a tradition of radical hospitality. It's not just a Middle Eastern thing. It's something that we embrace today as well. Radical hospitality means making some time, making some, having some margin so that other people can enter your life. And that might mean uh, time. Hey, I'm going to go invest in this person's life, so I'm going to have lunch or dinner or grab a beer or a coffee with them. That might mean um, your ideas. That might mean your money or, or your, your space. Inviting people in to come and see what's changed your life. One final story, and it kind of comes full circle. It's kind of weird. It's one of those things that only God could do uh, because it impacts my family that's not here. There's a family in this congregation who does a lot of the go-and-tell mission work. A lot of you know them. They do a lot of the go-and-tell mission work. And they used to live in St. Louis. And they knew my brother and sister in St. Louis. And they were like, hey, we're going to be gone for a couple months. You have the two of you and three kids. And you're living in a one-bedroom condo with a loft for the master suite. So you can imagine the noise that happens with three kids, a loft situation, and they're trying to sell the house. Tough. They're at the, the, the bottom of the, the real estate market, and it's a hard time to sell a house. Three kids run around, toys everywhere. So this family who's now here, says, why don't you come and live in our house while we're gone? You can water the plants, you can take care of this, and then you can have your space just clean the whole time so someone can sell it. This couple was loved, and they were sent to my sister, brother, nieces, and nephew. In the church, not like, hey, we're trying to win souls for Jesus. No, they were just sent to him because they're like, we have a margin. We want to be radically hospitable to you. The house sold, the couple moved down here, but in my sister and brother's heart, they had experienced radical hospitality. They knew what it was like for someone to create space for them. There wasn't any skin off their back, it was just like, hey, you want to live here? We're going to be gone, cool. But it, it changed my brother and sister's lens, their viewpoint towards life. 
And so when I went up there a couple weeks ago to St. Louis, they said, hey, we want to, they moved. They moved into the city, and they're like, we want to open our house up to people, uh, to our neighbors. We want to be intentional with our relationships. So they moved in there, and they've been doing it, and their kids are really friendly with the neighbors and everything. Uh, But when they moved, and I went up there, I slept in the kids' room because there was someone at their church that had need. Someone who was about a year clean off of heroin. And there was all this support network around them, and they just needed one more thing. A place removed from his house, where all this history of, of drug abuse was, and a place to come and see what God is doing in the lives of a family. So Allison and Brian invited them in. And this guy I got to hang out with, who's clean now, and he's almost done off of the, the, the treatments to get him completely clean, has been changed. He knows now what it's like to be loved in a family that loves Jesus and loves other people. And he is being sent. Acts is about multiplying followers, leaders, and churches. And God has given you guys the job of sharing his love. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for taking us through this book of Acts. We could spend a long time on it, but we got to spend six weeks, and we're thankful for that. Thank you, full. We thank you for showing us... uh, the big ideas that you are a God who wants more followers and leaders in churches. Thank you for loving us and uh, telling us things that are true about ourselves and then sending us out so we can hear more people praise you. God, we thank you for this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.